I'm Sadie Witkowski, and you're listening to In Defense of Fandom. Since the fall of 2021, I've fallen into the rabbit hole of one of the biggest, most active fandoms that you may have never heard of. It wasn't prestige television, and it wasn't a wildly popular YA series. Welcome to the diehard fandom of Supernatural. But don't worry, this podcast isn't about CW Supernatural, at least not directly. In Defense of Fandom explores the creative output of the SPN family, as Supernatural fans call themselves, and illuminates the ways that fandom can be an incredibly positive influence in our lives. I really do feel that Supernatural is the best lens for this topic because of its insane popularity while still somehow feeling underground in terms of popularity as a fandom. I'll be focusing on Supernatural, but I encourage you to listen for similarities with the fandoms of other shows or movies or games. And if you like what I'm doing, you can throw a five-star review my way on Apple Podcasts. That really helps get the show's name out there and to other potential listeners. Okay, now that announcements are out of the way, where are we headed to first? It's one of the most quintessential forms of fandom. You guessed it, fanfiction. But not all fan writing is fanfic. So today we'll be exploring all sorts of fan-generated written content. And if you're a listener who doesn't know what fanfic is, first of all, how? (laughs) If you've been a member of basically any fandom I can think of, I'm sure you've played the game of what if with characters and plot lines. Fan fiction has been a way for the writerly among us to take those stray thoughts and actually write out a full imagining of these alternate realities for our favorite characters. In the internet age, the first popular sites for fan fiction were LiveJournal, Wattpad, and fanfiction.net. In 2009, Archive of Our Own was launched and quickly took center stage as the main repository for all things fan fiction. AO3, as it's affectionately known by readers and writers alike, has a truly massive amount of writing on it. At last check of the site, it hosts over 56,000 fandoms, you heard that right, with at least 5.5 million users and over 10.7 million works. Zooming in, the most popular series to write about on the site is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, followed by Harry Potter, And then, coming in third, Supernatural. A common theme in fanfic is to romantically pair up characters who aren't normally together. The all-time most popular pairing on AO3? Supernatural stars Dean Winchester and Castiel, Angel of the Lord, aka Dean Cass or Destiel. If you're not a regular fanfiction reader, you might wonder why one of the most pertinent statistics to report is pairings. Well, look, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes fanfic is just getting two characters you like to kiss each other. It can feel like playing dolls that way sometimes. And one more note for the uninitiated. Wanting to have two characters end up together is called shipping. I think it comes from wanting to see that particular relationship. And if you've ever heard a terminally online person talk about shipping wars... That's when there are internal fights about preferred relationships between characters, and then there are anti-shippers or aunties who are those who don't like ships at all. 
Oh my gosh, I feel like such a grandma explaining internet language right now. So remember when I mentioned Destiel last episode? That's the Dean Castiel ship. Clearly, us internet denizens like to just combine the names of the characters, a la Bradgelina or Benefer or Taylor Squared. So yes, a lot of fan fiction on AO3 is just wish fulfillment of preferred ships. But not all of it is shipping and not all of it is smut, regardless of what your friends might have teased you for. What really stuns me about AO3 and fanfiction in general is that all this writing is created, edited, or beta in the language of AO3, and posted online for absolutely free. Can you imagine writing a 700k plus word story that's around 1,500 pages and then just throwing it up online for some folks to maybe send you a few comments? I can't. I can barely write out these scripts in any kind of decent timeline. (sighs) But thousands of users are doing just that every day. And I know, I know, a major reason that fanfiction remains free is because of intellectual property laws. Fanfiction is written based on existing IP, existing intellectual property. So Marvel owns the Avengers and DC owns the Flash, and you can't publish and sell a story about them going on cross-multiverse adventures together without getting permission from both those companies. And probably without paying out the nose for the permission. If you want more on the history of the legal battles behind fanfiction, I'll have some links in the podcast description. That said, we're here for Supernatural, right? So let's hear from some of these crazy folks that are writing, frankly, a stupid huge amount of words on the subject of SPN. Did not watch a lot of the other episodes, though, and I still haven't. So that's very funny. I went through and calculated. I'm like, oh, I've only seen 35% of this entire show. This is Jen, though you might know her by her username, Rupert Gaze. And that stunned silence is from my total surprise. You see, Jen is known in the fandom for her insanely long, ongoing fix-it fic, aka when you write a story to correct a plot that's just driving you crazy. If you're a fan of the show like me, you're probably also surprised to hear that she hasn't even actually seen the entire show. It was only recently that she saw the season four episode that introduces the angel character Castiel. Yeah, I only saw Lazarus Rising for the first time in full, not just like YouTube clips of fun moments last year. And Jen is a prolific writer. Her main story, Heard From Your Mother, is a three-part story with over half a million words penned so far. That's about as long as Les Miserables or the entire Lord of the Rings series. She was inspired to start writing after the infamous November 2020 date, which was when the pivotal season 15 episode, Despair, was released. Usually I'll say um, when I'm in a fandom, I'm in it for a few years, and then I leave, and I usually never look back. Like, I'm not going to go back and watch that show if I ever watched it to begin with. And then November 2020 happened. I'm really trying to avoid spoilers, but let's just say Jen wasn't particularly happy with the way Supernatural ended and thought maybe she could do better. It really sucks it ended this way. Like, this makes me kind of upset that, you know, we had this amazing story and it had its ups and it had its downs and it had its really, really down downs. But, you know, it was important for a lot of people. It was important for me. And then it went to, I could... 
I could write something better than the ending that they got. I could write something in 50K. Um, and now we're two thirds of the way done. Um, it turned into a, a trilogy series and it's over 500,000 words. Look, we all complain about endings of series all the time. I remember Lost, I remember Fringe, or even, woof, Game of Thrones. But how many people do you know who take that frustration and decide to actually write out a whole new story to replace it? I should say, Jen had the benefit of lots of time on her hands when she first started this story. I'd recently graduated grad school. I was in a job that wasn't in my career field. Um, it wasn't the best environment. I did not have a nice boss. It was just not where I wanted to be. And I think COVID made me think, oh God, what if I'm stuck here forever? Because no one was hiring. No one was hiring in my field either. And you couldn't go out and see your friends. You couldn't do what you were normally doing. So I was really limited to home and work and there was nothing else and this was also a job where i was not being creatively stimulated at all so when i started writing this story um i think it was just i used it and i relied on it very heavily as this creative outlet that i wasn't going to be able to get anywhere else and a way to fill time that i suddenly had way too much of and i couldn't fill it anywhere else because of the pandemic because i was sick and i think looking back because now I have a job that I really enjoy in my field. Um, it's easier to go hang out with friends. We have these other options, you know, to fill up your weekend, to fill up after work hours. Um, looking back, it made me realize, oh, I think if I did not have this story, I probably would have fallen into an episode of depression. Fandom, and fan fiction in particular, offered Jen an outlet for creative fulfillment when the rest of the world felt locked away from all of us. It allowed her the space to think about something that wasn't viral transmission and job insecurity and everything else plaguing our daily lives at the time. She says it also helped her once she was finally able to transfer jobs, too. I did think that was really interesting um, since I currently work in digital marketing. And I think writing fan fiction constantly and changing the style that I'll use or how I want to approach a topic, even though creative writing is very different from copywriting. Recently, I did have a sit down meeting with a copywriter who worked for the company and she had been with that company for seven years. She had been copywriting um, professionally for even longer. And so I was obviously a little intimidated. I just started at that point. I was handling writing a lot of stuff that, you know, thousands of people were seeing. And she sat me down. She was like, so there are some stylistic issues, but honestly, I'm so glad we hired you. The other people we've had in this position, they just did not know how to phrase these things. There would be spelling and grammar issues. There would be a lot of other stuff, and I would have to rewrite it. And she was, she said something like, I'm just so glad I don't have to worry about you. Um, but it was, I found that very funny, and we ended up, you know, having a very great working relationship together and everything. But I think my writing has definitely been improved just because I'm constantly doing it. It's constantly a muscle I'm working out. So speaking with Jen, I got a very clear sense that writing, even when it's an insanely long story that's taken on a life of its own, provided both a creative outlet for her during a tough time and even helped better prepare her for the job she now currently holds. But not everyone who writes fan fiction ends up in a creative position. Actually, I'm an accountant. <laughs> this is also Jen, 
a different gen. <laughs> Look, I told you this fandom is mostly women, so we're going to have some shared names. Let's call her Jen with one N, also known as JenJLD71 on Twitter. Anyways, this Jen actually got her start in writing, but has since shifted away in her career. My background is in journalism. I have a degree in journalism and communications. So I've been writing for years. I've actually been published. You know, my poetry has been published. My short stories have been published. Um, I worked as a copy editor and a reporter for two different college newspapers. So I do have the background and it's just always been something that I've loved. And then, you know, discovering the Supernatural fandom on Live Journal just kind of like it just went from there. So, I, you know, I started writing my own fan fiction. They started off as what's called drabbles, you know, 100 words. And they just they just kind of grew from like little topics that somebody would leave for a post and I would feel fulfill them. And then they just, like I said, they just started growing from there. So Jen with one in actually has the training chops that you might assume all fanfic writers have. It certainly explains her ability to be so prolific. One of the stories that I wrote that I'm really, really proud of is was over 200. It's either 215 or 225 pages long. Yeah. <laughs> My stories have a tendency to take on a life of their own. I'm working on one right now. It's over, I want to say over 74,000 words. 50,000 words is generally considered the minimum for a piece of writing to be considered a novel, and she's well over that benchmark. And this is all done outside her regular nine-to-five job, while also caring for her family and maintaining a social life. Although when we spoke, it sounded like family was actually a partially motivating factor for her writing. One of our children, they're, they're twins. Um, one of our children, our son is severely disabled. So he needs somebody to sit with him constantly. So it's a way for me to still be there for him, but also still have that stimulation where I am writing. He's listening to his music because he loves music. And I can just be that writer that I, you know, I wanted to be um, and then just continue on my daily life. And that's that's just what I do on a daily basis. Maintaining that daily practice allows for her to share family time and feel creatively fulfilled. For me, it, it's more about the whole situation of I'm at least getting the words out there. I'm creating something on a daily basis and I'm OK with that. I don't need to be quote unquote famous. For me, I do it as a way to relieve the pressure in my life because with our son, it is a, it's a daily struggle with him, with his health. So this gives me the outlet where I can just, you know, I don't have to worry about anything or anybody else except putting down those words on paper or, well, you know, Google Docs at this point. <laughs> And she's very serious about literally putting words on the page every single day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I sit myself down and my goal every day is to write a thousand words. Now, my day job is as a director of communications for a research institute. And I do a lot of writing and scripting, but I don't have near the dedication that Jen does. Then again... I don't participate in challenges or fests in my job. I started off with seeing one of the challenges being offered, that they needed writers. 
they had um, artwork up for grabs that nobody had claimed yet. And one of the pieces just kind of sparked something in me and I claimed it. And that's when I started writing for the fandom. Let me just pause here for a second and explain what we're talking about. Essentially, fanfic writers self-organize mini events or challenges based around a topic or ship. I'll let Jen take it from here. The way some of them work is you can write a story. Some of them are like 5,000 words, 10,000 words, 20,000 words and up. And once you finish that story, you promote it. Actually, they do it anonymously for you. And they, you put it out to artists who want to claim it to create artwork for you. So then you get somebody who claims your story, you work with that person, they create the artwork, and then at the end of so many months, they have a posting date. And then the two of you get together, you post your work together. That's basically what a challenge is. And then they also have what's called a reverse bang, where you can create art put that up for grabs with a prompt, a story prompt, and then a writer will claim that and then work with you as far as creating a story for your art. So I've done both. I've, I've done both as an author and as an artist as well. And that's the cool thing about these challenges. I mean, there are a lot of cool things here. First of all, if you're writing, then you get cool custom art that matches your story. And also, you have a group of fellow creators who are all posting together and promoting each other's work to help it get seen and read. But the cool thing to me here is that while Jen has this journalism training and it made sense that she started writing fix, this writing ended up leading her to other forms of creative expression. I started to look in another aspect because I I just wanted to create banners for my stories. And then it was like, well, let me try this. Let me try that. So I've started to create art for my stories. I've started to create art for other people's stories. I've put art out there to be claimed so that other people write a story for my art. So it all kind of goes hand in hand in the end. So, so far, we've had Jen with two ends explain how her creative drive was sparked by a show she still hasn't watched all the way through. Then we met Jen with one end, who led us through the community aspects of Challenges or Fests and how she uses her writing time to also spend time with her family. For me, I was trained as a scientist. I spent six years in grad school earning my PhD studying neuroscience and reading extremely interesting but utterly dry academic papers. And I love reading fanfics. I love immersing myself in the what-ifs of potential spinoffs and seeing how other writers could have handled a plot line. They're called Fix-It Fix because these authors want to fix what they see as a missed opportunity from the show. But like I said, I've struggled to find a way to tie my scientific background into anything quite so creative as fanfic. My writing became academic and obtuse over the years from writing peer-reviewed academic journal articles. Then I stumbled onto the work of author Northern Sparrow. So I found Supernatural when I was on the Arctic tundra dealing with all this weird insomnia. And it was, uh, I have this vivid memory of watching seasons one through seven absolutely nonstop while I'm in a tent 
on the Arctic tundra, hearing like these Arctic birds around me and the sun was never quite setting and I could never get to sleep, but I would just watch episode after episode. And I just was fascinated by Castile, partly because I um, I love anything with wings. I'd just been, you know, working on birds and and just loved that character. Okay. If you're a fanfic reader who enjoys Destiel stories, remember that's the Dean Cass pairing? Then you probably already know who Northern Sparrow is. Sparrow is a real life field biologist who for a long time primarily worked with birds. So I've studied birds for a long time. I used to um, introduce myself to people as an ornithologist, though now I I seem to be a whale biologist now. She somehow discovered Supernatural while she was up in Alaska doing field research, looking at Arctic bird species and studying their wings. So I'd been like studying wings. And then this character shows up and he spreads his wings. And, and so immediately like you've, your secondaries are screwed up and this feather is broken. And so, I mean, I loved the scene, but I also was instantly fascinated by the feathers and the wings. This is the nerdiest response I think I've ever heard when it comes to the introduction of the angel character Castiel. But knowing that Sparrow is a bird biologist, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. After all, This was something I recognized right away when I read her fic called Under the Midnight Sun. It's an AU story, an alternate or parallel universe with the characters from Supernatural. It's set in the Alaskan tundra, with Dean as a camp manager of a remote research station and Castiel, Cass, as an ornithologist. I've had friends who were field biologists and lived in remote sites, including Alaska, And as I read her fic, I was just stunned at how much of Sparrow's scientific knowledge was woven into the story. So, of course, when I spoke to her, I had to ask about this fic in particular, why she felt that she needed a story set in the melting tundra. I've been a biologist for a while, and I've been seeing global warming unfolding, and I I think we're in an apocalypse in, in real life. And one of the things that drew me to the show was the, the the idea that the idea of an apocalypse that you could uh, fight and win that just a couple of people could actually do something about. So I I loved that message of hope in the show that even if the world is ending, you might be able to do something to to stop that and to help out. So that resonated with me because a lot of my professional career has been about trying to stem the losses that are happening in this this slowly unfolding real apocalypse. So. When I started writing fic, it was kind of in the back of the, my, my mind that, you know, it'd be interesting somehow to write a story someday where where the boys and Castile have to deal with the real life apocalypse of, of global warming and climate change um, and various other environmental problems, too. Um, so that was in the back of my head as a little theme. I'm really trying not to gush, but I think Sparrow excels at taking these unique outdoor settings in her fix and turning them into a character in the story. I love setting stories in in my field sites, and I think I'm going to continue to do that because field sites, it's a wonderful part of being a biologist. It's part of why I went into biology was just being able to be in these unique, beautiful places and get to know them really deeply so that you're not just like cruising through for a day being like, tick, went to that national park. All right, got the hat, got the pin, let's move on. But instead of just staying there and really getting to know how it operates. And they, each ecosystem has its own character and it really is like a, a personality, like a fictional character. So as a fellow scientist, you can see why I would be so drawn to her works. 
But what is perhaps both amazing and unsurprising to me is how this all fed back into her actual science career. My science writing has gotten better in the years that I've been writing fic, and I, I can't pinpoint exactly what happened, but it's it's easier to start writing. I'd just be like, here we go, introduction. Da, 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 da. Okay, there's an introduction draft. It just it, it's much easier to get going. And the first draft is better than it used to be. And I, I think, um, you know, writing, it's its one of these skills that just continues to improve over. It, I don't think it ever stops improving. And really, this development of writing skills goes both ways. But I, I know I've, my fiction and nonfiction have helped each other and they continue to help each other for sure. Who would have thought if I wanted to write better science papers on the brain, I should have been practicing by writing fix. I'm pretty sure that's not what my advisory committee would have recommended, but anyways. So far, we've been treating fan fiction as a hobby, a time-intensive, extremely immersive hobby, but a hobby nonetheless. Still, hobbies can be turned into actual published works. You might already be familiar with the phrase, filing the serial numbers off. It's used to describe when you take a fanfic change the names of the characters and some of the other details, and then resell the story as an original work. Fifty Shades of Grey, originating as a work of Twilight fanfiction, is the most famous example of this, though probably not the best one. Let's just say I have a lot of problems with that book. But that's a topic for another time. When I came into the Supernatural fandom, I wasn't interested in writing. It never crossed my mind. This writer goes by the moniker Castiel's Lost Wings on AO3, but is also the recently published author, Robin Lynn. I just published my first original novel, and I just, I never, ever would have even thought to do that if I didn't have the fanfic evolution. While I was editing this book to publish it, I went back to some of my earlier stuff because when I didn't really think that the thick. I, I, I turned a fic into a book. And when I was editing it, it wasn't as good as I remember it was being when I wrote it, which I think is a normal like reaction to your own work. And none of that came from formal classes or formal education. I have a I have a BSN from a four year university. You know, I took classes, but none of my creative writing came from that. It came from literally other people in the fandom saying like, hey, um, you know, this would make your writing better. Robin used that nursing degree to become a full-time paramedic and never really imagined a writing career for herself. I feel like my decision to write was really heavily intertwined with, you know, people from the fandom encouraging me and being accepting. But it was, you know, other fans who were like, yeah, do it. We'll support you. We'll edit your stuff. We'll give you ideas. We'll, you know, we can bounce stuff off of each other. That's why I started to write. I wanted to build more of a community. Robin started writing because of the community support. She found it was a fun way to find friends within the fandom and then just got sucked into telling stories about her favorite characters. She first started writing fanfic around 2016, and less than a decade later, she had taken one of her stories, revised some of the characters, and published it as a novel. When you turn something original from fanfic, you have to add context and depth. Because when you read a fanfic, you're coming in with this preconceived notion about these characters that you know and love. When you're looking at an original book, you don't have any of that. So that was a lot of what I did when I was going back through it was even just adding a few extra sentences or descriptions that would make something make more sense without that background context. 
It turns out when you're already writing a fic that's set in an alternate universe, it's easier to remove references to the original property, since really all you're using is character names, physical descriptions, and maybe some inside jokes. Those can be removed or changed without too much trouble. I've actually often wondered at some published fiction that I've read, whether it was originally from a fan fiction or if the writer got their start in fanfic. To be honest, I'd be fine with it. It's only because of novels like Fifty Shades that this type of restructured fiction sometimes gets a bad rap. Robin also thinks that's unfair and doesn't try to hide the history of how she wrote her novel, Fire and Ice. And I'm very upfront about this. I've never tried to hide who I am or where I came from. I've never tried to pretend that, that I don't write fanfic or that Fire and Ice wasn't a fanfic. I've heard people joke that later stories about James Bond or Sherlock Holmes are merely fan fiction because the original authors had long since passed. Or mention that some of Shakespeare's plays like Othello or The Winter's Tale were based on recently published fictions of the time and could be considered a form of fan fiction. But I think this is all trying to defend fan fiction in a perhaps overstated fashion. I much prefer how Sparrow views fan fiction. I now think of it as like the, the writing equivalent to open mic night for musicians, where it's open to everybody. And that means quality and style are both all over the map. But there are these gems. Like at any open mic night, somebody will get up and just blow you away. And maybe not everybody does, but somebody will be just awesome. And the fanfic is the same thing. It's got all the range of different approaches to it and all the and a huge range of styles and quality and there are some incredible gems that are um fully professional level writers in fact a lot of them i i read some and i'm like you have to be a writer professionally there's no way you aren't what's wrong with enjoying beautifully told stories that are online for free or even having the guilty pleasure of just reading about your two favorite characters getting together over and over again in different meet-cute scenarios. Writers of fanfic come from all sorts of different backgrounds and got started writing for different reasons. But I think it's impressive that they continue to churn out new story ideas and plots and build out on a world that we already love so much. When I originally planned this episode out, I expected that writing would only encompass fanfiction. Considering that I'm kind of a writer myself, you'd think that I'd recognize that writing can be channeled into so many more directions. In fact, I had the pleasure to speak with two other writers who also entered the fandom partially through fanfiction, but then decided to take their craft in a whole other direction. I've written a whole bunch of books on fandom, a lot of them focused on the fandom of Supernatural because I happen to be a fan of Supernatural. So a lot of my research and publishing has revolved around that fandom and that show. That voice you just heard is Lynn Zubernus. If you're on Twitter, you might recognize her handle, Fangasm, which is also the title of one of her books. As I said, Lynn has also written a few fanfic stories in her day, but I was much more interested about her experience writing about Supernatural with an academic bent. Although, sadly, it took her a while to convince book publishers that fans would actually want to read an academic take on their favorite show. Well, Fandom at the Crossroads, it's an academic book. So it's A, really hard to get a hold of, B, expensive, and C, hardly anybody read it except academics. But 
Yeah, that was that was the first one. So Lynn, with her friend and fellow academic Kathy Larson, split their original plan for one book in two. We we couldn't get a publisher to publish what we really wanted to do, which was a hybrid book that was part academic text and part accessible to fans. So fans could read it too, because by this time we knew fans are smart and fans like to think deeply and fans will want to read this. But publishers, agents tried to shop it to publishers and publishers were like, what? Fans are not going to understand this kind of a book. And we couldn't, we couldn't get it done. So that's why there's fandom at the crossroads and then there's fangasm. So they split their book idea into two. Fandom at the crossroads became the academic text while Fangasm followed more of their personal journey. Together, the two books examined the fan culture, theory, and practices as they applied to Supernatural. I'm saving most of my conversation with Lynn for a future episode because she's become such an expert in fandom research. In fact, through both fandom and writing these books, Lynn ended up transitioning within her academic career from clinical practice as a psychologist to a tenured professor with a focus on fandom studies. I was a clinician at the time. I was not a professor. I changed my job to be able to have a research line that I could really just go forward with. I, I had I'd been adjuncting at a university and they'd been trying to convince me for a long time, come teach here, well, come teach here. And they had a tenure track position. And I was like, well, if I do that, I can devote all my time to researching fandom. So I actually made a career change. So the SBN family inspired her to a new field of research that then led her into writing several books. And lastly, I want to give a shout out to the writers who, besides fan fiction, chose to approach the subject in a more journalistic sense. Lorena, a.k.a. Night Sky, got pulled into the fandom by attending an SPN convention. Right. Uh, I did not have a background in journalism. My background by degree, I'm engineering, an engineer. But when I started writing, when I started into Supernatural, I now totally believe in a muse. It took control of me and I had to write about my experience at the first convention. Uh, the thoughts just kept flowing through my mind until they were entire paragraphs and I was compelled to write them down. She's since taken up the mantle of co-editor-in-chief for the Winchester Family Business, which, according to her, is the largest original content fan site for Supernatural. We uh, publish original content pretty much 365 days of the year about when Supernatural was live, it was all about Supernatural seven days a week. But since Supernatural has ended, we've taken on the shows of the... Uh, main cast members. So we also now cover the Winchesters, uh, bo the boys, Walker, Walker Independence, and Big Sky because of um, Jensen being in that. And, pro and when it starts, Gotham Knights. Basically, any show that might tie to supernatural actors, Jared Padalecki, Jensen Ackles, or Misha Collins is covered on the Winchester family business site. And it's really a full-time operation. So we have a team of at least a dozen writers. We each specialize in particular shows. I'm one of the, um, the co-editor-in-chief along with Alice, who's the founder and the owner. 
and we cover the shows. We do reviews, we do news, we do games about all the shows to keep it fun. We do analysis, we do videos, uh, everything you could want to know about all of these shows, we cover it and we moderate all of our content. So we take pride in, in all of our um, content being really thought-provoking, uh, fun, safe, inclusive, and just celebrating fandom of all of these shows. Just take a look at the website, and it's pretty incredible how much writing they put out each day. And for Lorena personally, developing her voice through writing has even led to her publishing a book of her own, though on the topic of Twilight, and writing almost 400 articles for the site. After all these conversations with writers, there's several core takeaways that stick with me. For one, all of my conversations contained so much evidence that writing fan fiction and writing more broadly meets a creative need that we might not all get from our day jobs. And by writing fan fiction as compared to other kinds of stories, authors can express meaningful ideas, either by building new worlds where characters get to have happy endings that the author wishes they had seen, or allowing an author to feel some control over a real-world problem, like writing a story set in Alaska that addresses climate change. But fan fiction and writing in general are never truly solo activities. Writing both fan fiction and for other channels can both create and foster community support, whether that means reporter-style coverage of the actors or participating in fests or challenges. It's all driven towards a communal goal. Finally, I want to point out that there's an argument to be had as to whether fanfiction is inherently anti-capitalist. I do think it's incredible that while there are so many beautiful free stories on AO3, some writers are able to make the transition and somehow have it become a career. Not that it needs to, because screw capitalism, but the fact that it can become more that it can become a way to help support a person financially, that's pretty cool too. Am I convincing myself to do a whole later season on fanfiction? Ugh, probably. I told you we'd be focused on community, creativity, and collaboration within the fandom. Our first stop on this road trip was writing. I know I didn't come anywhere close to covering every aspect of writing or even of fanfiction, Trust me, it is very fertile ground that you will be overwhelmed by all too easily. Our next destination will extend these principles into the world of visual art. Thank you to everyone who took the time to speak with me and share what motivates them to write. There are so many wonderful writers that deserve to be included here that I wasn't able to talk to for this episode. If you want to further explore the world of fan fiction through a supernatural lens, I'll have several links for additional podcasts in the show notes. Editorial support was provided by Dr. Anna Funk. Music was composed and performed by Chris Scott. Cover art was designed by Liz. Thanks to Danny and Marissa for supporting the show through coffee. In Defense of Fandom was made possible through an unhealthy obsession and your support via coffee. 
If you're not already supporting the show and you'd like to, you can find a link in the show notes to our coffee. Your support is deeply appreciated.